Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I think it's just a, a result of swinging too much and, you know, just getting extra work. And, you know, I think it's a pretty normal occurrence, especially talking with the trainers that hitters kind of get in their, in their lead, lead shoulder. And with me swinging and releasing the bat all the time with the top hand, I get some soreness in there. When did you first feel it? Five days ago, maybe. I just, I mean, I've been in the cage swinging maybe more than I usually do. Um... You know, so I, I couldn't like pinpoint an exact swing, I guess, but I mean, it's been pretty sore for five years or so. That is the voice of Chris Bryant sitting today with a sore shoulder. This hour on the score brought to you by Horwitz and Horwitz, Illinois' top personal injury lawyers. You know what that music means? It means it's time to go out to the score hotline where we're joined by score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You can hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. All right, Bruce, we have spent a lot of time today talking about the White Sox and with White Sox fans who have lit up the phones all day. Some very angry about the rebuild, but most very patient. Where do you sense White Sox Nation is these days, Bruce, with what has gone on over the last year and 10 weeks? Well, I think they're patient, uh, Barry uh, and Joe, because of the fact that uh, in reality, uh, they, they've seen it work with the Cubs. They've seen it work with Houston. They've seen the, the Yankees do a uh, quick rebuild in a couple of years and be a championship caliber team. Uh, it, it's the way uh, it's the way in the wave of the future right now that uh, if uh, you're trying to win and things aren't working out with veterans and you're plugging in people after people that uh, – you uh, you go the minor league system way, and that you trade off your veterans, and you uh, you move forward as far as uh, trying to build a system, and uh, and you know you tank for a couple of years. I mean, the White Sox are right in the middle of it, tanking in the way that uh, they feel they should, and it, I don't think it's it's necessarily a bad thing, but in reality, it's very tough for a fan base to watch their team be as bad as the White Sox are, and when a player goes down, there's not a good player to replace him. That's kind of what we saw with uh, Avisel Garcia when he went down. He was down for almost two months, and the the only answer they had was the the waiver wire going in uh, picking out, you know, uh, you know some some people that weren't necessarily major league caliber like Thompson and uh, let him play for a month and a half. So that that's the difference between uh, when a uh, major league team that's competing loses a player with injury and a team like the White Sox, who they just aren't going to replace them with a, with a top-caliber player. Uh, Bruce, you spent so much time. When was Eloy going to get called up? When is he going to be moved up? And then it finally happens, but in a series of moves. Did you expect that to happen, and did any promotion surprise you? 
Uh, no, not at all. No, nothing surprising whatsoever um, because of the fact that this was predicted, and, I, and we can predict that a month from now, if uh, Jimenez is uh, competing like he did at AA to get to AAA, he's going to be promoted to the major leagues. There's nothing stopping his progress at this point. If he's healthy and he hits around 300 and he hits uh, the ball with authority and homers and drives in runs, you're going to see him at a uh, guaranteed rate uh, producing for the White Sox sometime at the end of July. I don't think there's there's any question about it. Anytime I've asked a question about it, uh, we had Rick Hahn uh, on yesterday on inside the clubhouse, and I threw a date uh, July 29th out there. He laughed, and he said, you know, as long as there's progression for our players, there's going to be promotion. And he kind of left it at that. So I, I would expect him to, to come up. I'm not so sure about Kopech the way that he's struggling. Um, I'm not sure that he's uh, on the same track right now to uh, be promoted. He's got had some issues as far as uh, walking people and staying in games long enough, so maybe he stays in the minor leagues all year. Bruce, I said to Joe last week and was going to ask you about it before we, we lost contact with you as you were driving down the highway. I said to Joe, I, I thought that in a in a perverse way, it's kind of a relief for the White Sox for Kopech to take a little bit of a step back, so that they could get it, they could take a deep breath, relax, and say, "Okay, this is this is kind of the progression of a young pitcher." It gives them more time to ponder when he ought to be here. Does that make some sense to you? Yeah, and it does. And it, you know, when I when I asked Tanya yesterday, I said, "Is it is it possible that Kopech's still a a closer by the uh, by the end of his uh, player development?" And he said, "Well." We, we expect him to be a starter, but anything's possible. I still think with that electric arm and the fact that, you know, we've seen the uh, the guys like uh, Lee Smith come up. We've seen the guys like Goose Gossage come up that were starters that dominated for four or five innings and then all of a sudden, you know, lost their way and uh, couldn't keep the command of their pitches. There were more two-pitch pitchers who were tremendously dominant, throwing 100 miles an hour. Well, Kopech might be the exact same guy. And um, he's going to get every opportunity to be a starting pitcher. But why fight it if he is your next dominant closer in Major League Baseball, if he's the next dominant closer a year and a half from now for the Chicago White Sox? You're going to have to have other people step up and be starting pitchers. Uh, A whole bunch of them are going to have to make it through. So uh, putting the concentration on Kopech as uh, the next uh, Kershaw or Scherzer or somebody like that, it's not necessarily the case. He, he certainly has the stuff, uh, but maybe he's going to be better suited for the pen. Should Sox fans be concerned about defense at one point during this rebuild? Well, I would say so, Joe. I mean, you know, the uh, to me, that's the essence of the game of baseball. You know, when you you circle, take a big red circle and put it around defense and pitching, and, you know, we, we know they're synonymous. You have to have both. Uh, you're, you're not going to have good pitching without good defense. You're going to have a lack of morale without good defense. And they, the White Sox, you know, they struggle right now. There, there's no, there's no proof in yet that Tim Anderson is the shortstop of the future. There is no proof in yet that Yon Mankata is the second baseman of the future. We know they have both have tremendous potential. That they have a lot of skills, four and five, you know, tool skills, but. From what we've seen defensively so far, there's no proof that they are the long-term answers to those positions. They look like players 
that are going to be in the organization. One might be at third base, the other might be in the outfield, both might be in the outfield. Uh, I mean, they have time to grow, but, um, you know, the, the inclination for me to say that Tim Anderson is going to be your shortstop for a long period of time and Mankata is going to be at second for his whole career, I, I, I don't have that feeling as of yet. What does it say about where we are with Giolito, Bruce, that the conversation following Friday's game was that that was much better than it's been. He gave up four Ernie's on seven hits, but the walks were down. So that's progression. Were you pleased with what you saw, and is that something of a step forward? Well, I, I, I was pleased with it, and so was Don Cooper. I talked to him yesterday for about 15 minutes, and he said that long toss has been part of what they've been using for Giolito to get him straightened out and get that feeling of more over the top and getting his command. I've never heard the use of long toss, you know, that you, that you use to loosen up. But if you go back to the Maddox era and the Smoltz era and the Glavin era, that's what they did between starts. They did an awful lot of long toss just to keep the arm loose and the arm action correct. And, and I think that's what they did with Giolito uh, here over the, the past couple to just make him uh, just a little bit more confident and competent on the mound. So, uh, you know, again, we've seen Giolito – come up last year pitching his last five starts and only walked six or seven guys. We know it's in there. Uh, it's just a question of Cooper saying to me uh, it's between his ears, and we know he's got it. Uh, we um, Ricky Renneria also talked about the fact that he saw him sulking in between his start uh, beginning the other day, and they, they got right in his face and said, there's no time for that here. Uh, just to go out there and, and participate. Throw your game, but don't worry about what you what you can't control. What you can control is in front of you the rest of the game, and it seemed to work out. So much attention. Of course, you have Lester as the ace, and then what's happened or not happened with Darvish and Chatwood this season. Quintana sometimes is kind of the, the forgotten man. Uh, where do you think the Cubs stand, and what should they expect from start to start with Jose Quintana? Well, I think Quintana is a uh, – I think he's the number three, and – sometimes the number four pitcher. I think he's a, he's a good pitcher. I don't, I don't ever look him, at him as a well, one or a two. And when people are disappointed in him not being that, you know, seven-inning, eight-inning pitcher like they saw with the White Sox sometimes, um, I'm surprised by that because I just think he's just a good pitcher, a guy that will pitch a little bit over 500, and he'll make his 33 starts and have a 3-7 ERA. I think that's who he is. Uh, what 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 would you guys call that? Is that a four? Is that a three by today's standards? I'm not I'm not quite sure. Uh, Chatwood is certainly your five. I don't think anybody's projecting him past that. Uh, the numbers kind of get skewed now when when we talk about threes and fours and fives. I think you you kind of uh, put a big uh, rope around all three, and, and they're they're almost all in there. There's you can identify the ones and twos. I think the threes, fours, and fives get a little bit lost uh, in the mix these days. Bruce, uh, Chatwood says he's getting closer, and Joe keeps saying that he's getting closer. What is he getting closer to? I know he's not starting today because he's on paternity leave, but is, is he getting closer in any way, do you think, to uh, finding his control? I would I would hope so. I mean, you know, I think the last one he only walked two guys. That, that's good, but when – when you have that many pitches, I mean, 100 pitches in five innings, he's averaged a shade under five innings for all of his starts. 
that is, you know, that's a bullpen killer. And, and he does, you know, Joe always says, well, he's got such great stuff. But commanding that stuff is another story. He's just not able to do that right now. Uh, the, the ball just moves a lot. You know, you know he has good stuff, but from the, the command part, the confidence part, I mean, uh, I, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I believe in body language, but uh, do you guys, you guys believe that uh, there's a confident pitcher out there every time he goes out? I, you know, I just don't know him that well, Bruce. I mean, I, it, it doesn't look like it from a Chicago standpoint. I don't, I didn't see him that much in Colorado. Saw him from time to time, so I don't know if I can really judge. But I see where you, I see your point. I see what yeah. you're saying. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's he's got a great arm, Joe. Over and over and over again, he tells us how great his stuff is, and you know how much the ball moves. But you know, the the idea that uh, he is in control of what he wants to throw all the time and how he wants to throw it. I, I don't see it. Um, I, I think he, he can be, be a better pitcher, but once you start throwing the $39 million around for a guy, uh, the, the expectations get much higher. If he was just Tyler Chetwood who came through the Cubs system and he wasn't making that kind of money, there would be different expectations. But when you put the money on him and the money on Darvish, and the expectations from a team that's won 95 plus uh, three years in a row, uh, that's, uh, you know, or an average 95 over the last three years. That, that's different. I, I think everybody, uh, you know, expects more of the Cubs now. They expect them to be like the Red Sox or the Yankees every year, and rightfully so. But it's, it's hard, to, uh, hard to attain at this point. I mean, you look at their pitching staff right now, and it probably looks at its very weakest that it has in the last uh, three years, you know, with your bullpen guys with uh, with injuries right now, your starting rotation not pitching up to its regular caliber. I mean, it's a uh, it's kind of a um, period of time right now where you watch the Cubs and you say, can they go one direction or another from here? Is this a a jumping off point for the Cubs pitching staff? Bruce, real quick, before we let you go, do you see any signs from Wilson Contreras that he might be ready to break out? A couple shots to right over the last few days. Sometimes that's a good sign. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, almost half of his RBIs came in two games. You know, I think he's sitting on 25 RBIs, and 10 of them came in two games back-to-back. We saw the dominant guy last year hitting the ball all over the place, driving in runs, just uh, being – an MVP candidate, and then uh, that injury that put him on the bench for a month. We haven't seen that same guy. Um, I, I think it could happen, you know, when it heats up here and the weather gets better. Uh, it's, it's been a mystery for watching him. It's been a mystery watching Bryant. Um, early part of the year it was a mystery watching Russell, although he's starting to look like he's coming around a bit. So um, I don't know if our my expectations, other people's expectations are way too high for some of these people, but, um, you know, I, I thought this was a club that was going to score 900 runs and, and, and pretty much run away with their division. And, and I'm, uh, I'm getting a wake-up call on what my expectations were. Bruce, thanks for your time. We always appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you next week. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Take care. Bruce Levine, you're every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Every Sunday on Hit and Run, you can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Thoughts on him for a sec. Go ahead. When we come back, we will uh, finish up with your phone calls. Lots of people still on hold want to talk about the Cubs and the White Sox. We'll, we'll get to 
We'll get to that uh, column I wrote about MLB TV and the package and blackouts. I want to hear who contacted you from MLB. You must reveal your source. Not really a source. And we will will finish up with some Cubs and White Sox thoughts as well right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner, final few minutes for you on a short show today. Back for a full show next Sunday morning. So, Joe, you and I have talked many times about MLB TV, about the package, about Rob Manfred's campaign to try to speed up the game, to try to get more young people interested in the game, and by saving 30 seconds a game, he believes that's going to change the fate of baseball. When in truth, there's, at least in my opinion, nothing wrong with baseball. The game goes in cycles. All the things that we don't like about it now will change. At some point, if there are things you don't like about it, maybe you think it's just fine. But the things that are impacting the game right now in terms of action on the field, those things will change. The game goes in cycles. Pitchers will figure it out, and then hitters will figure it out, and you'll see things start to change. Joe Madden talks about it all the time. He doesn't like it one bit. He doesn't want his guys trying to hit home run every single time up. There's a time and a place for that. But while Rob Manfred does that, meanwhile, we talk a lot, and I've written about it, Wrote about it again last week about the fact that every single game, every single major league game, should be available on any device you could possibly possess in any location, anywhere in the world, at any time, instantly. You want you, you want young people interested. That's what they expect. That is the world they have grown up in. No matter what platform, no matter what device, no matter where you are, no matter what time of day. No blackouts, no restrictions, any device, anytime, anywhere. And they are willing to pay for it. And I get emails every day, and I get the Twitter responses, and the uh, Facebook responses are are hysterical. And it should be on Facebook every day. What what people have to go through, what they're having to go through to try to get these games. And they can't get them. They want to pay. They want to pay for the games. They pay for the games, and then they can't get the games. One guy tweeted to MLB TV, I'm paying for your games. Why won't you let me see the games? There was like, he was in a spot where like five of the seven games that were on at that time were blacked out. He's like, why am I paying for this? Why can't I see your product? Why won't you let me have your product? I want to consume your product and you won't let me. MLB TV response, see our frequently asked questions. That was it. That was it. They actually responded. Here, See our FAQs on why you can't see the games. That's fantastic. That's just fantastic. I heard from an MLB guy I know who works in New York, who I've known for some time, has worked for two, maybe three, or even four commissioners. And he said uh, his response was essentially, uh, we are aware of the problem, but – there's little or nothing that's going to be done about this. So in essence, because not, we can't do just it's not it's going not to a, be it's done. not a priority. Yeah. It's not something they're worried about. It's not something they're concerned about. There are so many issues with territorial rights 
and rights fees. I mean, you think about Baltimore versus D.C. You think about what's happening in Southern California. You think about the people in Southern California who can't watch the games. They're right there and can't watch the games, depending on who your service provider is. I mean, right. you know, God. We're, we're going to be dealing with this stuff in two years. That will be fascinating. Well, you want to end up doing. You want to. You want to grow the game, Mister Commissioner. You want to grow the game. People are trying to consume your product, and you won't give it to them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, uh, like people who are in business who are listening to our show right now are laughing. They're laughing like people want to want your product, and you say, "No, you cannot have my product." I will not sell you my product. You can't have it. I want it. to buy it. Please. Nope. You cannot buy I, this product. I always make the master's argument. I mean, I, I, I would be willing to pay a lot yeah. of money to see the kind of coverage we get on Fox for the U.S. Open. I'd be willing to pay a lot to be able to stream that all day, all night. You, you would do it for year-round. Yeah, coverage for any tournament. Yeah, I want I want the European Tour. I want the web.com. I want it all. But, I mean, it, there are limitations to what is available here at the Masters, you're actually broadcasting. I mean, it's right there. you got cameras all over it's behind the you. They just refuse. It's the same kind of thing. And this, is what, on. this is what baseball is <laughs> This is what baseball is doing. They're saying, no, you can't have it. And there's people really, really mad. There's people who live in Rockford or Beloit or Janesville, or they live in, in, in parts of the Northeast or Southern California, or if, God help you, if you live in, the, in Las Vegas – you're, it's it's more confusing than any place in the world right. because of all the teams that claim that as their territorial rights. And they'll be getting a team soon. And they'll have a team within five years. The other thing that we've talked about for a long time is, and I was thinking about this when I was reading your article, is to get the youth interested, you get them to games. And I don't know if you saw this week, the Cubs have the most expensive ticket in Major League Baseball, more expensive than the Yankees. Okay, but and I was thinking about it because it dawned on me, and I have a son in his second year of t-ball. Dawned on me the other day, we haven't been to a Cubs game this year, and this is why the TV angle is much more important. Who the hell has time to take an entire day? And it's an entire day. If you travel just a little bit, we're talking about a six-hour block minimum, and then you're so tired. You're not. You don't want to do anything after. So it's really taking up your entire day if you go to an afternoon game. Nobody has the time to do that, to clear every schedule. Maybe you have one or two days off a week, and guess what? You have kids trying to expose the game to. That calendar's filled up. It is very difficult. And I do this for a living, and I can't get to a game. So just imagine anybody else. Yeah, I mean, look, the market supports the Cubs' prices. They sell out every day. I mean, yeah. so the market supports it. So I understand why they do what they do. Oh, they I, can, I'm they, not ripping them at yeah, all. No, I'm, no, just, I'm, I'm just putting it in proper in, in, in proper context. Um, if the market says that you can charge that, then you charge that, and next year you raise your prices again, and they'll still sell out. What you What is fair to wonder about is, is in terms of the experience – which we all had when we were kids and, and can remember the first time we saw a game in a particular park. You wonder if if it's just enough to see a game on TV when you're a kid. Um, the White Sox make games very affordable. Mm-hmm. 
Very affordable. I've been to a Sox game. And, yeah, you've taken your kids to a Sox game already this year. It's very affordable. It's easy to get to. And uh, the parking is convenient. And when they're good in a few years, assuming they're good in a few years, we'll see how they do. But I, 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 you, you bring up a valid point. How, how much of the prices of the games will affect them moving forward? Now, on the other hand, there's such a huge percentage of this city that, is, that has always been a Cubs city, or seemingly most of my life it seems like it's been a Cubs city. You you know that these games are being watched at home, so the kids are being exposed to it anyway. Of course, they're asking their parents, "When we, can we go to a game?" And the parents are saying, "Well, we're not going to spend they're also at, we're not spending four hundred dollars to go to see one." They're game. They're also asking their parents, "What channel is it on?" Yesterday, I found it on ABC. Eventually, uh, Maury Brown, who Cubs, we've, Cubs Roulette, Maury Brown, who we've had on the show before, uh, he wrote about it earlier in this week. He wrote. An average premium seat now stands at $114.50 with the Chicago Cubs leading the league with an average price of $58.57, an average premium seat at $207.05. Wow. So you got to be rich. Someone has to give them to you or you got to work for the right corporation or that gets the tickets. StubHub. One of those. Are you doing avenues. a lot? Are you doing a lot better? On StubHub? Uh, depends. Depends. <laughs> a couple bucks on the south side. <laughs> on there. Joe, yeah. the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Campland RV. Are you stuck in traffic? Wish you could get away? Now you can with Campland RV's 57th anniversary sale. Now through the end of June, take advantage of great deals on RVs to help you enjoy the great outdoors. Campland RV. RV buying made easier. Joe, would you like to uh, would you like to handle the legal? Because I think we got I think we have to depart soon. Oh, we do. Okay. Uh, Hit and Run is brought to you by Northwestern Football. The Wildcats coming off a ten win season, host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at IndySports.com. Not used to the the exit even before noon for us. Yeah. Real quickly, Eli, there's uh, information about John Lester. Yeah, so he might not even start tomorrow. This is coming from the reporters out in Cincinnati. Uh, likely not to start tomorrow, and they're probably going to be calling up somebody uh, to take his place in from Iowa for tomorrow's start. So this is coming after Marie, and, and Chatwood likely isn't back tomorrow too. It, it would would tomorrow <laughs> be le- would tomorrow be Lester's? That would be his yes. usual turn, correct? So what is that about? They're, they haven't they haven't clarified. Okay, well there's some good news for you. They are a mess with the rotation and bullpen. It's amazing that over the last few weeks they've even played 500 ball. And he's been absolutely lights out. So there you go. Happy good morning, uh, everyone just tuning in for the Cubs pregame show. Joe, it's time for thank yous to our producer, Eli Hershkovich. Great job, as always. Thanks to our guests, Bruce Levine and Richard Justice. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us, stay tuned now for the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zaidman and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. Then it's Cubs baseball with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer right here on the radio home of the Chicago Cubs. It is Mike Montgomery and Sal Romano. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby! I carpool with McGowan.
to the ballpark in the morning. McGowan. Are you kidding me? Wow. Holy Moses. How about that for a sec? So long, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.